welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everybody. It's good to uh, be back here with you all on this Sunday. We had a great time here in Ecuador, or there in Ecuador, and uh, just a wonderful team that we had. Um, and so I, they're uh, sitting up here up front today with us. If I could have the team, the students and the chaperones of our team, if you guys could stand up and let's applaud them today. Thank you, guys. You guys can be seated, and uh, we appreciate them. They're a wonderful team to work with, and man, uh, Gary and Nora, they'll be coming home uh, Thursday. They were the ones that kind of did a lot of the behind-the-scene work, and um, they'll be coming home Thursday, uh, flying home, but uh, we're so appreciative of of you and your prayers. All the things that took place in Ecuador was truly life-changing and eternally uh, the, the kingdom of God is going gonna, is gonna to continuously expand because of it. And uh, so th- how this trip came about, um, you know, last summer I felt God, you know, uh, stretching me and, and taking a team to Ecuador, which I had done two years ago, but this pretty much the entire team besides a few chaperones, this was a brand new team that we were taking there. And, um, you know, I know that it had to, uh, we would have to, restructure some things as a youth ministry and and so we uh, prayed about it we we talked through it and we offered it to the students and I was hoping that maybe we'd get 10 um, then 17 students signed up and Gary and I looked at ourselves and we're like oh boy we gotta we gotta figure some things out here a little bit more details than we were expecting so um, you know God did uh, a tremendous work there but um, you know we weren't able to take a team as you heard two fine arts this year national fine arts in Orlando but a lot of what these kids have learned from that really helped these students be confident in front of people, not just people who were believers in the Lord, although we met some, but the majority of the people we encountered were not, um, were not following the Lord. And so this really was a, a tremendous uh, blessing to us and to be able to see God do great things. And so we're going to talk about that. Um, we do have a recap video that some of our students put together to show you to kind of highlight the trip. And during this video, uh, we're going to have a few of our team members come up on the platform um, to share their story. And so that uh, will be Pam, Valerie, and Samuel. Uh, so during the video, if you guys can come on up here uh, and enjoy the video. Good morning. Uh, as many of you uh, know, I'm a homeschooling mom, and um, I also teach a small um, class of homeschoolers. And three years ago, um, I taught for a whole year on world missions. And um, we went through and, and picked out uh, individual countries to emphasize and talk about the missionaries who went there and their lives and the geography and the culture of those countries. And one of those countries was Ecuador. And um, so I invited Nora Smith to come and speak to our class uh, because uh, she was from Ecuador and she spoke uh, beautifully of her country and um, was a a huge asset to our class. 
And um, when that day was over and the kids had left and I was alone in the room and I just prayed, Lord, please allow me to go to Ecuador. Please send me. And, um, of course, all year long I had been praying that the Lord would um, develop a heart of missions in my students. And I wasn't supposed to go on this trip. Uh, I had wanted to go from the beginning, but they already had enough chaperones. And so I just said, okay, Lord, you know, your will be done. And two weeks before the trip, I got a call that they needed another chaperone. And so um, what a blessing to be there in Ecuador. And in the middle of the trip, I looked around and I realized that six of my students were there too. And, um, and not only that, not only were we all there together in Ecuador, but here I was getting a front row seat to all that God was doing in them. And um, I just want you to know that God hears the cries of our heart, and he does delight in answering our prayers and um, in ways that are more loving and more beautiful and more miraculous than anything that we can imagine. And I'm just very grateful for the experience. Well, good morning. So, yeah, Ecuador was a crazy trip. I could probably talk all day about everything that went on in Ecuador, but I'll just give you my three minutes or so. <laughs> um, so prior to this missions trip, I definitely considered myself to be somebody that served God. You know, I always served God. Uh, but during the course of this trip in particular, I really learned what it meant to serve God. Uh, in the 11 days that we were in Ecuador, we didn't just serve, we served sacrificially. Uh, some of the sacrifices were small, such as not being able to uh, use tap water to brush your teeth, uh, eating rice and beans every day, or not being able to put toilet paper in the toilet. Uh, but some of the sacrifices were much bigger. Uh, a lot of us sacrificed so much financially to do this trip. Uh, we all sacrificed basically two weeks of our time to do this. Um, and a lot of us, we sacrificed our comfort zones uh, during the trip. I think everybody at some point, all of us would say, at some point I really stepped out of my comfort zone. Like, I didn't want to do that. It was just uncomfortable for me. But, but God always showed up in the discomfort. Uh, I, think, I think of one situation in particular when we went to feed the homeless one night. We went under a bridge where many people who had fled from the country of Venezuela were camped out while they were trying to start a better life in Ecuador. Uh, and they were miserable, hopeless, and broken people. We gave them sandwiches and coffee, and we, we prayed with them. But it was two in the morning. Okay, and if you know me, I'm not up and about at two in the morning. That was a big one for me. Um, in the moment, I don't think any of us really wanted to be there. Or at least I know I didn't really want to be there. Uh, it had been a long day already. We just, we wanted to sleep, we were thirsty, we were hungry. And the last thing I wanted to do was go feed random people in the middle of the night. But when we woke up the next morning, everybody was like, wow, that was incredible. Those homeless people, their, their eyes were glued to Pastor Bobby as he was giving the message of the gospel. 
these Venezuelan refugees were raising their hands because they wanted to receive Christ. It was incredible. And one night we had an opportunity for us students to give some of our testimonies from a trip. And like half of what we shared was from that night. Like that doesn't make any sense. Our favorite memory from the trip was that night we were all just <laughs> dragging our feet because we didn't want to be there. We were so tired. But that was like our favorite memory from the trip because God showed up. We made a sacrifice and God showed up. I think part of my problem was that the word sacrifice always had a negative connotation for me. But the biggest thing I learned in the trip was, was no, sacrifice is not a bad thing. We had so many victories because we sacrificed. We witnessed breakthroughs because we sacrificed. We watched as countless people raised their hands to receive Christ because we sacrificed. There is nothing I would have rather been doing than sacrificing for the kingdom of God. The first night we were in Guayaquil, uh, Josh Smith, he told me this story about a man there in Ecuador. And this man, for six months, only had $40 to his name. He had nothing. He lived on the streets. But during that time, he was ministering to the other homeless people around him. His entire life became about witnessing to others. And as a result, these drug addicts he was ministering to were receiving Christ and being set free from drugs. And that's amazing. But he only had $40. He was homeless. But this is what the man said. During those six months I lived on the street, I lacked nothing. That's crazy. He didn't have anything, but he lacked nothing. Here I was complaining that we couldn't put toilet paper in the toilet. But this guy couldn't complain about anything because he was serving God. Because it's true, there's really nothing better than serving the Lord, even if it means sacrificing everything. For me, there's, there's no greater joy than following God and sacrificing everything to serve him. And I'm so grateful I finally learned, this on this, learned that on this trip. And I, my prayer is that you guys find the same thing. Hello. Um, so before I start, I just want to say thank you um, to everyone who prayed and gave money to everyone on this trip because if it hadn't been for that, a lot of us wouldn't have been able to go and experience um, everything that God did on this trip. Um, so thank you. Um, but before I went to Ecuador, um, I had been going through a season of waiting um, about prayers for family, friends, college, um, financial aid, and a bunch of things. And throughout it all, like God would tell me, wait, uh, like just wait on my promises and wait for me to fulfill those things. Um, so if you know me, you know that I like everything planned out. I like to plan my future. I like to think, oh, this is where I'm going to go, and this is what I'm going to do, and this, this, and this is going to happen. And not having that and not knowing what was going to happen was very frustrating for me. Um, and then I went to Ecuador. And parents, I have to tell you that everything on the schedule that you got in the email was wrong. <laughs> Nothing happened like that on the schedule, and nothing actually happened in that order. <laughs> um, but that's okay, um, because God showed up in ways that wouldn't have happened if we had stuck to the schedule. Um, and before I went on this uh, trip, I was thinking to myself, man, like, I'm going to have this big moment with God, like, right away. Like, I'm going to cry a bunch, and it's, if people are going to get saved, like, I'm going to cry a lot more, and it's going to be great. Um, 
I did not cry <laughs> on this trip. <laughs> um, although, like, a lot of people were saved, and it was really awesome to see. Like, the first couple of days went by, and I was like, man, everyone's crying. Everyone's getting, like, really spiritual. Like, something must be wrong with me. <laughs> and again, I would pray about it, like, is it me? <laughs> and um, again, God was just like, wait. And a couple of days went by, and we went to evangelize on the Malacon in Guayaquil, and we only had a little bit of time because we were supposed to, like on the schedule said, we were supposed to go and go on a TV um, station and talk there. And when we were there, I was with um, Nikki and Kelly, and Bobby had just given his message, and we were going to go talk to this lady, and she was wearing this blue shirt. And I remember I went over to Nikki, and I was like, hey, Nikki, let's go talk to her. <laughs> and we were like, she was like, yeah, well, yeah, let's go over there. And... We go over there, and then Josh Smith cuts right in front of us, and he goes to that lady, starts talking to her. And when I was like, oh, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> so me and Nikki and Kelly were like, okay, we'll go to somebody else. So we look over, I look over, and there's this lady, and her family was there. It was her, her husband, and her son. And we go over there, and we start talking to her. And, um, of course, Nikki's translating everything because my Spanish isn't that good. <laughs> um, so I guess this lady, she met the group that came, went two years ago from our church. And she, at the time, she was struggling with depression, and she was having a lot of issues um, personally. And the group that went two years ago led her through that and showed her Christ in that situation. And that was really awesome for her, and that was how her relationship with God started. And... Um, but now she was struggling with financial situations, and she was working two, three jobs, and her husband just got laid off, and her son was going to a private school, and they didn't know how they were going to pay for it. And she was like, I don't know how to be faithful with God through this. And she didn't like going to church. And um, while we were talking to her, we explained to her, like, you know, church is like the people in the body of Christ is there for you to encourage you and keep you going when you're going through these things. And we really encouraged her to go um, back to church. And um, we told her about Casa de Dios, that we that church that we were with. And uh, she was still a little, like, iffy. And then um, I explained to her, like, how God was faithful through my prayers, like, with college. And I thought I wasn't going to be able to go. I thought I was going to have to stay home. And I was really upset about it. And I was like, God, like, I really need money for this. And, you know, the moment that I just, like, trusted God and, like, trusted that he was going to be faithful in that situation, like, God showed up. And I got a call from Lee University asking me if I wanted more money. <laughs> and that was awesome. And I explained that to her. I was like, you know, after I had lost all faith, you know, God showed up. And I had friends surrounding me, like, telling me to keep going. That's what the church is for. And she was still a little iffy. And so we, um, Nikki, Kelly, and I explained the story um, of the three servants that had ten, like, five and one, and how the one was really upset that they didn't get as much as everyone else and that, um, you know, we, we, like, we have to be satisfied with what, we're God, what God gives us and we have to use what we have um, with what God blesses us with, and that, you know, if God can trust you, and um, you can do a lot with a little, like, imagine what God can do with a lot when, he, after he blesses you and fulfills that promise for you, um, and so uh, we told her about the faith of a mustard seed moves mountains, and that, you know, God's gonna, as long as she keeps in her faith, that, like, God's gonna show up, and God's gonna fulfill the promises that he has for her, um, and we prayed for her, and 
she just starts crying. And um, for me, that was like the moment that was like God like knew, like wait for that moment. Like God said, you know, wait for that one experience with that lady because that moment was the moment for me that I was like, wow, like what we're doing here is actually changing people. This actually means something to people. Um, this is actually like moving lives. Like the group from two years ago may not have known at that moment what they were doing and now seeing like the fruit of what they did and now someone's gonna see the fruit of what we did later on and that was just really awesome for me to like see that and like really accept like um the patience and that I had to have for that and um but no I didn't cry that trip <laughs> um uh, no, I didn't see like every story right away, but I was able to see little glimpses of God and God really showed up, not in the big crowds and the big schools. That wasn't what really moved me. It was like the little intimate conversations that I had with moms from cancer students or um, that lady and her family in the street. Like the, it was the little things that stuck with me. And if we had stuck to the schedule, I wouldn't have been able to talk with that lady and her family because we would have been in a TV show. You guys are good. Thank you. Thank you guys for sharing. That was awesome. Well done. And um, man, so many, uh, so many stories that we could tell you today that we don't necessarily have time to, but um, I encourage you to talk to any of, of our team members. They would love to talk with you just about God's faithfulness and how he showed up. And uh, they'll tell you stories that probably I'm not going to be able to share up here today for the sake of time. Um, but there's just a lot of things God did. And uh, we're so excited to share with you all the news and the report, as well as uh, the challenge and the encouragement of God's word today, uh, that we're going to be sharing with you today. Um, but really on that whole trip, you know, when, uh, you know, when Gary and Nora were willing to, to help us with this and uh, going two years ago um, was a tremendous time. And then now we're seeing just even more. And I always tell people, like, there's something special happening in Ecuador. And, you know, and I've been to a lot of countries, and God's moving in those countries, but I'm, I keep telling people, like, there's something really special happening. And our team uh, got to see a lot of that, and they're starting to realize, wow, something really special is happening in Ecuador. It's unbelievable to see how many people are open to the gospel of Jesus Christ and are willing in that moment, just the two minutes that they talk with you, they're willing to accept Jesus right on the spot. Um, and it's such a, a cool thing to witness and to be a part of. Um, and so we've, we were able to, to do a lot of things, but the first night, I think, was a night where we dedicated our time to God because we knew we couldn't do this without God's power, which is the title of our message today. Um, and, you know, it, there's, there's only so much you can do, but you need God's power to do great and impossible things. Um, things that you're even uncomfortable with. And, and so the first night we climbed this, they call it the mountain, but it's got like 500 steps and we we're sweating uh, on our way up. And, uh, you know, we were with our, the church, the host church that uh, hosted us for this trip again. And uh, they were up there with us. And we just prayed. We worshiped together um, in English and in Spanish. And it was really exciting to see because we had to realize we couldn't do this without God's help. And, you know, and so we've, um, from that, you know, we went to uh, evangelize in the park. We went to, um, you know, this park the next day where Gary and Josh were doing a presentation. They gave the, uh, an offer or an opportunity for people to receive Christ. We saw uh, dozens of hands go up and 
you know, just seeing things that you haven't seen maybe in a long time or never. Um, I had a kid approach me, he's a young adult, uh, coming to pay bills. Um, and so he needed a lot more joy. Uh, so we gave that to him. But he approached me and did something very different. Usually I have to bring up my faith journey to people, but he came up and asked me. He said, um, can you tell me your faith journey? And I was like, okay, I definitely can't mess this one up now because he's asking me. And so I shared with him and I found out a lot of his story was very similar to my story. However, I had overcome a lot of the pain and the struggle um, in my life, but he was currently going through that. And from that, he, he gave his life to the Lord. And this, was, this is how God works because there are these things that you just don't know until they start, people start talking and then you realize, wow, God's doing more than I was even saying. And the first thing he said to me, he says, I now know I need to go reach my family. And, and he was just like, I was just like, I didn't even tell you that part yet. And you just went and said it, right? And so, um, you know, God was just doing incredible things. And so then the very next person I encountered um, was a man. He um, had back issues, but he was wanting to pray for his family. He's like, oh, in my back. And so we prayed for his family and prayed for his back. And Gary uh, was translating for me. And I felt something hit me in the back. Um, I thought it was the wind, and I didn't say anything in the middle of my prayer. I just kept going. I said amen, and Gary ended up asking him, uh, hey, how's your back? And he just moves a little bit, and his eyes start to get a little bigger, and then he starts jogging up and down like really fast, and, and uh, he just said, everything's gone. The pain is gone, and I'm like, he walked out of there uh, a healed man, and, and he was so excited, and I ended up talking to Gary about it afterwards, and I said, hey, I, I felt something hit my back. And like, I didn't know what it was. And he looked at me and he goes, actually, I felt the same thing. I didn't know what it was either. And so we just really know that God's power was working in us and through us. And you can't explain it. I mean, there's no way to explain any of that. We went to several schools, school in Guasmos, uh, which was a different part of Guayaquil, which is where we were. Saw, uh, I mean, dozens and dozens of students packed into an alley, actually hundreds of students. And dozens of them were giving their life to Christ right in this alley um, the streetway uh, that was dirty, and, and they were just blown away that Americans were willing to come see them, and uh, we were able to steer them in a direction to follow the Lord. And then we went to Boboyo, which is a, a city that we had visited last time, and there were two schools that we went to. The first school we went to in the morning, um, we were, were told we're going to do this for a couple hundred students, and so we get there, and this school is unbelievably huge. Um, just to kind of explain to you, we were setting up, and, uh, and there was a team that was setting up, and there was a team of us that were still on the bus, and some of us had to go to the restroom, and the only way to get to the restroom was go across the courtyard. By the time we got across the courtyard, we had hundreds of students surrounding us wanting to know what we were up to, and we were just trying to go to the restroom. Um, and so some of them talked to us. A lot of them just wanted to watch us. And so, um, you know, from that, we only were able to do it in front of a couple hundred students until, you know, the way they had their, their school structured, they, uh, they had kids that were watching from the windows and, or wherever, and their teachers gave up trying to keep their attention. So they dismissed the classes and said, you just go out there and watch them, okay? And so, um, you know, but even before that school, we had uh, one of the directors come up to uh, Gary and myself and told, told us that she was concerned about it being too much, basically too much Jesus being presented. And so she told us to tone it down a little bit. And Gary looked at me, and I'm like, and he goes, what, what, what do we do? And I think, I don't know. We got everything we say and everything that we're doing has Jesus in it. So how do you really tone it down? Um, and so 
we just, you know, we, we just understood, like, we're, we're going to have to do our stuff, and it's going to have Jesus in it. And so we, we went ahead and, and did what we uh, did and what we knew to do. Uh, we did do one thing, one minor detail that we switched up, but it wasn't a major thing at all. Um, and then we presented the gospel to these kids, and, and teachers were getting saved. The kids were getting saved. The director got saved. I mean, she was just so excited, and she wanted a picture with me afterwards. And so I took that as, okay, we did fine. And, and uh, you know, and so it was really, really exciting. And we got to um, go to lunch, and we had another school that afternoon. And, and the mayor of that town, um, was, was his wife had, had come and his son, uh, he would later join us. But she was so fired up, like her husband, I guess, was in meetings or something that day. And so she leaves lunch to go get him and um, basically interrupts whatever he's doing and wants him to see us. And so she ends up, how many know you listen to your wives, husbands, all right? And so he comes in and he talks with us. He thanks us. He takes photos, you know, with us and just thanks us for coming and just continue to pray for their community. We go to another school. We're told there's going to be about 80, 100 students. I'm pretty sure we, there was about 1,000 when we walked in um, just staring at us. And then they all surround us um, as we're doing our presentation. And, and when, you know, I was looking at Gary. Gary's looking at me. He's like, how is this going to work? Like, I don't even know if our speakers are loud enough. And I said, I don't know, but we're just going to have to yell, okay? And so, um, so we're, we're standing there, and we're doing our thing. And this, uh, this school was rowdy. I mean, they were a lot of kids, right? And, and so as soon as we started doing this identity skit, which was talking about basically their identity was in Christ, their identity is not in anything else or anyone else, um, as soon as we started to do it, they got real, real quiet. Um, and then when I started talking to them about the Lord um, and sharing my story with them, they were super quiet. And they, you could see, I could see them. There, was, there were a lot of kids that were far away, and I could see their eyes. They were locked in. And I believe that was God's power working in that because we were concerned about getting things getting out of control. And um, a lot of those kids and a lot of teachers and government workers who, who took the time to come in here, uh, you know, gave their life to Christ, including the mayor's wife and the mayor's son. And so the mayor went home probably that night and just found out that day that his wife and son just gave their life to the Lord. And I'm assuming he's eventually going to give his life to the Lord too because, you know, she's going to bring the house down and preach it. Um, so she was uh, an amazing lady. And so we saw God literally changing a community in, in just a few hours. Um, it was such a, a cool experience. And, you know, I'll share just uh, one, a couple more here. But um, I think, you know, in those big, great, joyful moments, there was also a lot of heartbreak as we uh, you heard some of the students reference the um, reaching out to these Venezuelans who have come into their country and the surrounding countries uh, because of the things that they're currently going through. And, you know, it was a late evening. It was, uh, we were all tired. Um, and, you know, we went with them with food. And, and honestly, I, there was a few Venezuelans that had come before, uh, you know, they had come before over, and, but it wasn't a lot. But when I got there, there was, I mean, there were, just in two spots alone, there were dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of them. And just the look on their faces, it's really hard for me to describe. Um, I told First Service, I'm going to keep my emotions in check. But uh, it was a very, very heartbreaking situation. And to see the hopelessness in their eyes, to see that uh, the worship leader of the church who was there with us said 90% of these people are coming alone um, because their families can't travel. It's too dangerous. 
And, and so there were several of them who had, uh, you know, one guy had lost his eye during a protest, and he, he just, I mean, he, he almost died uh, just because just the, there was just so much happening. These people were suffering so much. And this is what they said to us over and over again. Please tell America to pray for us. We need your prayers. They wanted our prayers, and they want us to tell their story. That there is a lot of stuff. And we went into an airport terminal, and there's dozens of them, including children under the age of five, sleeping in plastic chairs because that's all they got. And, and so to us, it was like, what do you say? Like, there are no words that you could possibly do uh, to say to them. Now, I mean, all we knew to do was hug with them. We cried with them, and we, we sang for them. And we told them, hey, we're going to pray for you. We're going to give you Jesus. And we gave them the gospel. And dozens of those people are just like, if Jesus is all I have, Jesus is all I need, I'll take it, you know, and that, and that is all they just wanted, they wanted hope, and we were able to give that to them, it's truly an amazing thing, and, you know, just seeing all that, and then we got to host a, a party with Solka, um, which is a cancer organization dedicated to helping children, and just to, to see those kids come in, we celebrated them, and, and prayed with them, and to see them give their life to Christ, to see their parents who were there, who were touched, and they gave their life to Christ too. It was truly an amazing thing. And to say, all to say that, you know, you know, there's a lot of fertile soil there when it comes to presenting the gospel. And it may be a lot different here, um, you know, when we present the gospel. But, but ultimately, we're all called to go and make disciples, you know. And some of us may be stronger in one area or another, but we're all called to go. We're all called to make disciples and so really quickly, I want to share with you God's word for the next just few minutes here about a man named Paul who understood God's power. And it comes from 1 Corinthians 1. Something that really touched me on this trip was that the Lord is, is doing great and mighty things and he will use anybody that it's available. And, and from this, you read the message uh, that Paul is preaching and he's dealing with some difficult things and he himself uh, was once a persecutor of Christians, but gave his life to Christ. And he says, everything I've known, I just count as a loss for the, for the sake of knowing God. I, he has everything now. And so he mentions these things in 1 Corinthians chapter 18. We don't have a whole lot of time to talk about this, but we've been doing a character study in our series. And uh, if we were to put a character study on this, we would put it on Paul and how he understood proclaiming the gospel. Uh, when it comes to doing that. In 1 Corinthians 18, or chapter 1, verse 18, he says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. And let's skip down to verse uh, 23. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, and foolishness to Gentiles. And so you see a pattern here about, you know, with the Jews, they believed their Messiah uh, was a military Messiah. They were expecting a warlord Messiah. Jesus came to show them that he was the Lord of Lords. And from it, we see Jesus operating in a capacity that was a whole lot different than what the Jews were expecting. And so when you read this, even for the, those who weren't Jewish, they thought it was foolishness. I mean, if you come to think about it, Everything Jesus did was humanly impossible, okay? He was, I mean, let's start off with Jesus being born. He was born of a virgin. That's impossible, right? It's like, it doesn't make any sense. And then we see 
oh, this Jesus is God, very God, and he's walking among us. Like, why would God concern himself walking among us? And then we see about Jesus dying on the cross for the sins of the world. Like, why would God send his one and only son to die on a cross? That does not make sense. And then he resurrects three days later. So you're telling me he has the authority to lay down his life and the authority to pick it up again? Yes. Well, we know people can take their life. We know people can lay down their life. But we know of no one who has the authority to lift it up again. And you're telling me Jesus did that? Yes. Okay, now this is getting crazy. And then he tells a small group of people, here I am, I've risen from the dead, now you are my witnesses into all the world. Yes, that's what I'm telling you. Okay, and now you're telling me he's ascended into heaven and he's entrusted us with his message. Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. This is humanly impossible. Well, exactly, that's the point. The point is to show you that this could only be done by God. This could only be done by the God of the universe to do something that was humanly impossible. But how many know with all things, with all these things, God can do the impossible? And this is such a, an amazing thing to know that, that Jesus came to, to show us the way. And when it comes to following Christ, a lot of people get, uh, try to avoid conflict. When you follow Christ, you're in conflict with the world's values. You're in conflict with the world's values. So what you stand for will bring conflict. Jesus, the greatest leader of all time, could not please everybody. So we cannot please everybody. It's time for us to understand that. As much as we want to please everybody, it will be impossible. Jesus couldn't even do it. So what makes us think we can't? And from this, we realize more and more about what Paul is going to share here through these sets of verses. He says, brothers and sisters, in verse 26, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And this is such an important thing for us because a lot of times when we were there, you know, they would surround us and, you know, I've heard it all. I've heard, you know, do you know LeBron James? No, I don't know LeBron James. Um, do you know Justin Bieber? Are you friends with him? No, I don't know Justin Bieber. I'm not friends with Justin Bieber, right? Do you know Brad Pitt? No, I don't know Brad Pitt. Um, I know of him, and, but I don't know him personally. And so they thought so highly of us at so many different times that it was very easy for pride to creep into your heart and to make it all about you. I'm telling you this because I felt it too. I felt it cross my mind. Like, wow, you're really something. And, you know, it's so important in those moments to get a hold of that and to realize you're just an ordinary person, right? And I'm just an ordinary person. But with God, you do influential things that matter for eternity. What a privilege that is. And this is such a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I think a lot of times what we need to do is we like to pray, we like to read our Bible. Those things are so vital and they're important in your Christian life. But a lot of times we just need to get out of our own bubble. I'll tell you, case in point, I just was on a mission trip and yesterday I was tired, I needed to mow the yard and I remembered I had some, uh, some friends of mine who were not believers who invited me to a birthday party and my first reaction was, nope, I'm not going, I'm too tired, I've done enough you know, over these, over these past few weeks. And as I'm mowing the yard, the Lord said to me, I felt him say to me, you need to get out of your own bubble. And I was like, oh, that's true. And then I remember something that somebody once said to me, do whatever it takes when an unbeliever invites you to something. Do whatever it takes. They're inviting you into their life. 
Do whatever it takes. Move mountains. Move your schedule. Do whatever you got to do. Make it possible. Either you or somebody that represents the gospel is there when there is an invitation for you to be a part of something. Do whatever it takes to make it happen. So I, of course, ran through my yard, it felt like, just mowing that yard. And, um, you know, I got dressed and ready to go, and I went there. And it made a huge impact. They were so grateful that I brought uh, my son with me, and it was just a lot of fun. We had a great time. And, um, you know, because it's, it's important to, to, to get out of our own bubbles at times and to say yes rather than the first thing that we want to say is no, but to understand that we carry something that's super important when it comes to knowing Jesus Christ. And so as we finish these, this, if you go into chapter 2, he talks about his story. He says, I came not with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. And here's the part that I love, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. It's, you can't, there are a lot of people who can get on a stage that can entertain, but there's one thing that they cannot do is transform people. I don't care how big the stadium it is. I can get up here and I can entertain and I can say a bunch of stuff, but I cannot transform your life. There's still only one person who can do that, and that's Jesus. I don't care what they do. I don't care how many followers they got. I don't care what kind of gifting they have. We all have those gifts, but we do not have the power to transform somebody's life. That power belongs to God alone. And this is such an important thing for so many people because you can have talent, but you do not necessarily have the power of God. There's a lot of people who have talent, but they don't have the power of God flowing in and through them. Because why? Because when you make it about you, when I make it about me, it is impossible for God to work in that because you're wanting the glory, not God. And it's so important to, to be reminded and challenged by that. Because I've never, and when it comes to following God, there are a lot of things, there are a lot of times where maybe you just don't have time. And I understand that. But understand this, I've never seen somebody get burned out when they see people's lives transformed. Never heard somebody say, man, I just get, why, why do you want to quit church? Why do you want to quit following God? I just get, I just, I'm just tired of, of seeing people transformed. It's getting so annoying to see so many people following Jesus now. Like, I'm tired of it. And, and so many times people, were, it's usually when it, the reason why there's a burnout is because your passion has taken a different direction, a passion that was not meant to be that way. You need to balance it. You need to get it back. What did Jesus say? Go and make disciples. You need to do both because Jesus wants you to see transformed lives too. And he wants you as his vessel. It's such a powerful thing. And, you know, and I understand we all need rest. Like, I get it. I get rest days. My Monday is is amazing. It's a rest day for me. But, um, you know, when it comes to understanding this rest, I realize this, I will rest in the presence of God. There's coming that day. And I'm resting now knowing that my confidence is in him and it's not in me, it's not in anybody else. Because, and I have to realize this, you know, I don't want to use that as a crutch though. And to say, well, I'm okay, as long as I'm okay. But to, know, to realize these thought crosses my mind all the time. I may have rest, but how many people around me are not going to have that rest because they're going to be spending an eternity in hell because they did not follow Jesus, because they would not submit to him. And so, yeah, I get to rest, but Jesus is very, very clear. There will not be rest for them, though. And so it urges me all the more to speak about God and to show people God 
because I want them to know. And Jesus wanted people to know. I mean, Jesus cared so much, he's the number one person that talked about hell. I mean, you talk about somebody who didn't want you to be somewhere, he wanted you to be with him. And so when it comes to talking about hell, a lot of people get uncomfortable with that. But guess what? Jesus was concerned so much about it, he talked about it more than anybody because he wanted people to know that they belonged with God and he wanted them to be there and he wants you to be there. He wants the people in your neighborhood to be there. He wants your coworkers to be there and you may have rest in God, but they don't. So let that be the, the urgency that time is short, I need to do this and I need to maybe stop giving excuses and let's do something for God regardless of how it may look. And so, you know, as I look at this and, and share, um, I do want to mention one quote that really stuck with me because I think a lot of our team experienced this. Maybe you're experiencing this season, but Adoniram Judson was a great missionary, a legend in the Christian faith. And he said this, and it's so true for current America, Ecuador, anywhere in the world. He said this, if you succeed without sacrifice, it's because someone has suffered before you. If you sacrifice without success, it's because someone is going to succeed after you. You may be in a season where you're sacrificing and you're not seeing success. That's because someone else coming after you is going to see the success. You may experience success in your faith and you see people come to know God, but it's because someone came before you who laid it all on the line and sacrificed everything so that you could see the result. This is what the gospel is about. Sometimes you get to see it. Sometimes there'll be somebody after you who gets to see it. And I'll close with this chapter in um, Psalms 97. But, um, you know, this is a, a passage that I used for our students before uh, we went out and did what we were going to do ministry-wise. And this is a scripture that I felt the Lord speaking to me before we went on the trip. And I wanted the, the students and everyone to know that when it comes to understanding the principle that you're not fighting for victory, you're fighting from victory, the only reason you can make that kind of a statement is because you know who your God is. And this is such an important, this is Psalms, this is Old Testament, this is before Jesus comes to earth, dies on the cross, all that. But it's to show us this very simple principle. The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad and let the distant shores rejoice. It's not when the Lord reigns. It's not in a hundred years he's going to reign. The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Well, you don't understand what I'm going through. The Lord reigns. Well, you don't understand what my family is dealing with. The Lord reigns. Well, I'm dealing with cancer. I'm dealing with this. The Lord reigns. He reigned in the past. He reigned in that scripture. And he's reigning in the future. The Bible is trying to show us the Lord reigns. And this is what, if we can go, I think it's verse 5, um, about the mountains, if that's there. There it is. This is another thing that came to me this morning. It says, the mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. There are two ways to see what's on the other side of the mountain. You have to walk around or you have to walk over it and see, which is pretty hard. But the Bible says it melts like wax before the Lord. You don't have to go around. You don't have to climb over you get to walk through the mountain. For some of you, that's for you. I don't know who that's for, but you face a mountain right now in your life. It may be a, a person in your family. It may be a child. It may be whatever. 
The Bible is telling you, do not walk around that mountain, but you walk through that mountain. And you proclaim to the mountain who your God is. And I'll tell you who your mountain is. The enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy whatever you're walking through. And that now it's time for you to tell that little thought or that certain way of living is not going to fly anymore because the Lord melts the mountain. And I get to walk through it. You're not going to experience that if you try to avoid it, to avoid the conversation. You're not going to experience it if you just, well, it's just going to be the normal way. It's just the normal flow. No, you face it. And you face it knowing that God is for you and he's not against you. Amen? Amen, amen. You can stand to your feet this morning. And if you're here today, if you would like to receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart today, you want to experience that life and freedom we encourage you to do that today. And one of the ways we, we do that is through the, our Connect card that you found in your program today. Listen, this isn't necessarily a private choice. It's public. Jesus didn't die in private. He died in public. It's about that time where, you know what? If I have Jesus, that's all I need. If anything that we've learned on this trip is what we saw the Venezuelans going through. If Jesus is all they have, that's all they need. And so, if you want to make that response today, if you want to follow Jesus, I can't call for you. None of these people can do it for you. You've got to do it. If you'd like to do that today, there's a connect card in your bulletin that you just say, here I am. I'm going to do it. And that's your confession in faith. That's you saying, I'm going to follow Jesus, and it starts right now. Please fill that out and turn that into an usher on your way out. We want to celebrate with you. I want to ask the, the prayer teams if they can make their way forward. If you would like prayer today for anything, maybe it's a situation you're dealing with, maybe it's um, something that just got brought to your attention, whatever it may be, we have prayer teams here for you. I'm going to pray for you. you know, that'll be your formal dismissal. The worship band's going to play for us, sing together, um, and, but you are allowed to come forward for prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for all the things that you have done. Lord, we thank you that your power is meant to be unleashed into all the world. Lord, I pray that for those today who want to receive Christ, Lord, who are not fully devoted to you, Lord, your word is clear. We have to be all in. You tell us in your word that lukewarm does not cut it. We have to be all in. Lord, if anybody is here today, whether they've attended church for 10 years or this is their very first time, Lord, if they need to make themselves right before you, I pray they do that today, knowing that you're going to take care of them and the mountains they face before, before their very life will melt before them, not because of anything they've done, but because of what you've done. Lord, I pray for these, this church or the influence that they have with so many people. I pray that they would use it to its fullest capacity. Lord, that they would be able to reach out and to tell people who you are. Lord, whether they see the result or not, Lord, I pray that they will be faithful and obedient to what you have placed in their heart and that they would respond. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. And we bless your name. Lord, we pray for the people of Ecuador today. Lord, we pray that you continue to bless that nation. Lord, we pray for the church, Casa de Dios, that you will bless that church. You will bless Pastor Gunther. You will bless Pastor Willie, Pastor Gabriel. Lord, we pray that you will minister to them and through them. Lord, we pray for the Venezuelans. Lord, in that whole nation, Lord, as thousands are fleeing for their lives because they don't have anything left and they are dying from starvation. They are losing everything. They've been distant from their families now. Lord, I pray that you would comfort them. Lord, whether in Venezuela, whether they're under the bridge or they're in the terminal, 
Father, I pray that they will feel your peace right now, knowing that if, if Jesus is all they have, Jesus is all they need. And Lord, we thank you for their life. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this mission. And Lord, we pray that we will continue in this mission that you have called us to live out. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 God bless you, church. Thank you for being here with us. If you like prayer, you can come up at this time. But if you need to go, Lord bless you. Have a great, great afternoon. We'll see you next week.